church. So, uh, man, we are back in Ephesians this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. We are wrapping up Ephesians, uh, or I'm sorry, Ephesians 3. Last night, I was sending out the text and I typed out, uh, church, we're, we're wrapping up Ephesians. And it's like, no, 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 we're wrapping up Ephesians chapter 3. And so if you're barely joining us, man, we've been walking through the entire book of Ephesians. Um, I think it's good for us to uh, plant roots in the Word of God, live the Word of God, um, and in order to know, do that, you have to know the Word of God. And so we're verse by verse been walking through Ephesians, um, and now we are wrapping up uh, chapter 3. And here's the cool thing. So our series is called Sit, Walk, Stand, and I would prefaced before we jumped into this series that it was, I got this title from a book that I read that really, uh, he, he displays the message of Ephesians. And so his whole idea of the book was, Man, in the, in the church world, too many times we come into church, whether you're new uh, or even newcomers or you've been here for a while, but we're so, uh, we hit on, man, you got to do this, you got to be that, you got to talk this way, you have to act this way, you can only be around these people, and we're so focused on the walking that we skip the sitting. And so what I mean by that and what he meant by that is sitting is, man, do you ever just sit and get to know God? You could just open your word of God and say, man, God, I just want to know you. And a lot of times I think our approach to scripture, our approach to church isn't, man, God, I just want to know you. But our approach is actually, some of you walked in the doors this morning and you're like, all right, all right, pastor, tell me what I need to do to have a better life. Tell me how I need to speak uh, so that I have more friends. Tell me how I need to live. And, and let me tell you, you don't want my opinion on those things, right? Uh, because I might take you a whole nother way that it might not be a good way, but if I stay grounded in the Word of God and we, we come here, and, and that's what we've been doing for these three chapters, is we've just sat. We have just sat, and, and, and we're going to see in our opening text this morning, and we're going to start in verse 14. I want to read this. At the very first few words that Paul, the Apostle Paul says, For this reason I, I bow my knees before the Father. And so we see the Apostle Paul in the last three chapters we have talked about and we have seen what the Apostle Paul has said, man, this is our God. This is who he is. He is, he is a lot bigger than what we think. He's a lot more loving than we think. He's a lot more gracious and patient than we think. And it is because of him that we're sitting in this room this morning. It is because of him that I serve Jesus, that I love Jesus, because a God in his loving mercy said, I want you. I don't need you, but I want you. And, and for those of you who put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, that was all done because of God and his work through Jesus in the cross and in the resurrection, which we'll celebrate in a couple of weeks. Easter's right around the corner. Uh, I, I'm super excited about that. As we just celebrated our one year, uh, we have, have laid out um, that we have until the end of June to meet here in the school. Um, and so we've been praying, asking the Lord, where is it that we're going to be meeting next? Um, and there's some potential uh, places. Um, and, and so continue praying for your church that we would, uh, the leaders here would move in wisdom, that we would steward what we have well so that we can go into our next home ready. Um, and if you know of any places that, you know, man, feel free to text me, call me, message me. Uh, I'm open to talk, but uh, that was kind of a side note, but uh, so we see the Apostle Paul says, for this reason I, buy, I bow my knee. And he's saying, these last three chapters, all I've explained to you 
is how good and how big our God is. And it is for that reason I go to my knee in prayer. That's beautiful. Our, our, you you want to see what compels your prayer life? Listen to what you pray about. And so Paul, his reasoning for his prayer is that our God is good, that our God is good all the time, that our God is gracious, loving, forgiving, patient, and, and full of uh, riches in all of that. And for that reason, I bow my knee. And then he says this, he continues to pray. He says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, your inner man, your inner woman. There's something in you that in order to tackle what we call life needs to be strengthened. And it's nothing uh, of the outside. It's nothing physical. Everything we've looked at in the last three chapters, all spiritual, right? We do believe that God is a God who blesses in the physical, but man, Paul is so much more concerned about your inner man, what kind of person you are. And he's saying, Lord, strengthen them. And so that's our prayer this morning, that he would strengthen us with power through the Spirit in your inner being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. His prayer is that, man, uh, we want to know as much of his love as we can, but it is so wide, it is so deep, it is so long. And he wants us to be rooted and grounded in that kind of love. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And then verse 20, it says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray one more time. God, we love you. Father, I thank you that you are going to strengthen the people of real church this morning, God. Father, I pray for anybody who's sitting in any church this morning who, worship, who worships your son Jesus, that we would be strengthened in our inner man this morning, Father. And Father, it is for this reason we go to you in prayer because you are good. Even when you don't, it doesn't seem good, our circumstances don't seem good, you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And that means you never stop being good. You never stop wanting good for your children. Your word says that if an earthly father can give good to their child and, and we have evil in us, how much more will a good father give to his children? So Father, we ask that you would strengthen us this morning in our inner man. We love you and we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. What are you doing? That's, that's kind of what I was hinting on a while ago. What are you doing? How many times you look at your kid and, and you look at them with a disgruntled face and, you're, uh, and you just look at them like, what are you doing? Right? Anybody, any parent did that this week where you look at your kid? Uh, yeah, I did it. I was looking at Kinley this, this week and I was like, what are you doing? Right? And it's always a disgruntled face. And I think too many times uh, that's our perception of God towards us. That God is looking at us and he's looking at you saying, what are you doing? Right? Anybody ever feel like that God's looking at you like that? Is it just maybe just me? God is just so confused at what I'm doing. 
And, and I was hinting this morning that that may be our approach this morning when we come to church. That you come to church this morning and, and you come here thinking that God is asking, what are you doing? And so you come in here with the ears to hear, uh, this is what you need to do so that God doesn't look at you that way. But uh, if you realize, and I don't know if many of you have realized, but for the last three chapters, or for the first three chapters of Ephesians, as we sat, not one command from the Apostle Paul. He didn't bring us one command. He didn't say, you need to go do this. You need to be this way. You need to live in such a way. Three chapters of Scripture of one of the greatest apostles other than Jesus to walk the earth, not one command did he tell us. And so for the last seven, we're in week seven of this series. Week seven, seven weeks where not once did he tell us or command us to live, speak, or do a certain thing. That's pretty rare to come to a church where you don't leave saying, uh, with a to-do list. Too many times we leave church as a to-do list. Well, you need to live this way. You need to speak this way. You need to make sure you go do this at work. And we didn't get that for seven weeks. What we did get was how loving and gracious our God is. Why did Paul spend so much time trying to explain the height, the depth, the length of God's love? And over and over, I tell people all the time, we come to church to be reminded, right? The last time I spoke, that's what, that was the big thing. We come to be reminded. We don't come here as Christians uh, to come and get a to-do list, but we come here, and it should be that we are reminded of our good Father. And in that, we'll go live a certain way. In that, we'll speak a certain way. In that, we'll treat people a certain way. We'll, we'll, we'll parent a certain way. We handle our finances a certain way, right? And so that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to do uh, in this letter for three, for eight weeks. We've seen he's going on, and he, he didn't ask, what are you doing? Even though the church of Ephesus, he could have. But he said, man, this is, let me remind you of the God that you serve. Let me remind you of the God that, man, when you didn't deserve it, he still chose you. When you didn't deserve it, he still forgave you. He still loved you. He still blessed you, right? Is anybody blessed in here this morning? Yeah, we're blessed to be here this morning. The simplest things we forget. And so I, I, before we tackle what the Apostle Paul's prayer, because we're going to look at what he prayed, and we're going to look at how we can take that and how we can pray. Um, and, and in that, I, I don't want us looking at coming in this morning saying, man, what are you doing? Because that's not God's approach towards us. That's not his countenance towards us. His countenance towards us is that he's a, a good father, a, a proud father, and if he sees you through the lens of Jesus, he is nothing but loving towards his children. And so three chapters, not one command, all description of a good, gracious father, and he wraps it up in this prayer. And I love what he, he did. He says, to this I bow my knee. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church. Uh, I, we bounced in church, but I didn't really grow up in church. Uh, but when you would go to a church, how many of you pictured, uh, I had a grandma who was like, Catholic, you know, she loves Jesus, uh, and so every night that we would stay at her house, you got on your knees by the bed, and you prayed, right? Anybody grew up praying? Like, that's how you prayed, is you got on your knees. And, and the crazy thing is, if you go study this in Scripture, man, praying on your knees was actually uh, not common. 
Most people prayed standing up. Most people prayed with looking up. You know, we've, we've got this picture in our mind when we're praying that it looks like this, right? You see pictures of, of children when they're praying. It's like this. And that wasn't common in, in, in biblical days. What was common is people stood up. They were sitting down. Um, even eyes open. Right? We're taught you need to close your eyes. And, and sometimes we do need to. But it was so uncommon for someone to get down on their knees in prayer. Now, why would the Apostle Paul get down on his knees if it wasn't common? Because getting down on your knees shows surrender to this God that he just spoke of for three chapters. And he, he's, he's showing, uh, he, he's, as he's writing this letter, he wants God to know that, man, I surrender my life to you. As I sit in your beauty, as I sit and know who you are, I surrender to you. And I think there, there are times where we should get down on our knees and pray. And that might feel weird. That might be different. It's not what we t typically do. But man, the vulnerability that that shows, right? It shows the vulnerability of your heart. And so there's times where uh, myself, I get down in my office and I'm praying. Because right here, the Apollo, he, he's praying for the church. And I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And every day, and I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, strengthen their inner man. Lord, bless them today. Lord, give them uh, people to love today. And sometimes in my office, that's in my chair. Sometimes that's on my knees. Because I, I want to show a life of surrender. And so in your prayer life, uh, today we're going to talk about your prayer life. How is your prayer life? Are you praying? Number one, Paul prays because, again, it shows surrender. And it shows that he is dependent on something other than himself. When we don't pray, that means we depend on ourselves. We think we're smart enough, good enough, have enough money, that there's enough college degrees, whatever it may be, that that gets me through my day. And let me tell you, man, uh, I remember uh, my mom, and she probably remembers this because she's always watching, but I, I remember she got me this little bear, um, and, and the bear said, my, I don't pray because it makes sense. I pray because my life doesn't make sense without it. And so, so many times, man, we have life happening to us, right? There's so much going on, especially as we're leading into the spring. Man, uh, it seems like life just picks up, and it's time to start going and moving, and it's like, I get to my house and I'm like, oh my gosh, and you got to do it again tomorrow, right? I was telling somebody this morning, Kinley has practice today, she has a game tomorrow, Tuesday, practice Wednesday, game Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and possibly Sunday. Now, uh, besides costing a lot of money, if you're hiring, I might be looking for a job, uh -huh. it, it's exhausting, and I get home and I'm like, whew. On top of being, you know, pastoring a church, on top of being a good husband, on top of being a good dad, a good friend, it's exhausting. And if I try to do all of that by myself, man, it's not going to go well. Things are going to end very badly. But if I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I need you today, and then tomorrow I get on my knees and I say, Lord, I need you again, and then I get in my pickup and I, Lord, I really need you today. Every day I'm showing my surrender to God. And we need to get in our prayer life where we can do that. Because here's the thing. Here's what I found out as I was seeing this picture and I'm looking at Kinley and I'm like, what are you doing? 
You know, my daughter, she's eight years old, and to, to go through a week like that, you know, eight-year-olds are probably, if I'm honest, not built to go through a week like that. And, and the Lord just convicted me. He goes, you know, you keep asking her, what is she doing? But have you ever asked her, how is she doing? And, and too many times I think we think God is looking at us, what are you doing? But when we go to him in prayer, what he's actually saying is, how are you doing? How are you doing? But because we think we serve a God who's far off and doesn't care, we think he doesn't care about that. And let me encourage you this morning, man, he cares about how you're doing. And, and, and as we pray, as we see the apostle pray, we should pray, I want you to know that he cares. He cares about what kind of work you got that day, what kind of stress you have that morning, what, what, what kind of anxiety you, might, you may be dealing with, maybe it's a sickness, maybe a child, whatever it may be. Start approaching prayer of, man, God's asking me how I'm doing. And in your prayer, you're able to say, man, God, I'm tired. God, I, you know, my relationship right now is not doing, I, I need you. My kids don't, don't seem to be, they, they seem to be running farther from the Lord than drawing near to you. Like, God, I, I need you. God, my boss has really been hounding me, and, and I'm ready just to give up and quit and go find, but I, I need you. I know I'm supposed to be the light in this place. I need you. And so uh, prayer is always going to show surrender. Prayer is always going to show the posture of your heart, but ultimately prayer is always going to show you who you're dependent on. So if you're praying, you're, you're telling God, God, I depend on you. I need you. And I think this is the very reason the Apostle Paul got on his knees because he's saying, man, I need you. And so we see him uh, in, in a posture of surrender. And then when we see that he prayed, the question is, well, what did he pray? And, and we see in these next verses, number one, he's praying for the church. And I told you, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying as I lead you, as I pastor you. Like, I am praying for you. But then he says something, uh, he says, from whom every family in heaven and father, for, oh, I'm sorry, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Man, he, he's praying for the families. And, and I want to encourage you, man, let me ask you, are you praying for your church? We believe, Fabian said it this morning, we believe we're a family here. We don't believe we're just a group of random people coming. Uh, I had a conversation as I look at her in the crowd. Um, she had went and did a visit. She was doing, uh, I think it was Meals on Wheels or something like that. And she went and she saw a, a lady and she's like, man, I really think somebody needs to check on this lady. And she's telling me this story. And, and she asked the lady, does, does any, do you go to a church? She goes, yeah, I go to this church. And, and she goes, well, has anybody come by and checked on you? Because she could clearly see that she needed some maybe assistance or somebody just to come and check on her well-being. And she's like, no. Um, and, she, and so she encouraged her, I think, to call the pastor or whatever. And, and this person has, uh, they, they had joined Real Church at the beginning. She goes, am I spoiled by our church? Like, is it normal that I, people check on me from my church, that people in my real group uh, actually care about me? Because we've, we've come to, uh, we live in a day and age where we think churches come and, and go. It's consumer. And not, remember uh, Pastor Terry talked, we're not consumers here, we're producers. And so it's not all about sitting in a chair, get what I need to get, and leave. But man, 
Uh, and, and I was blessed. We, we just had a family who uh, had a baby, and that meal train filled up. Um, and I, I want to say there might even be two spots left. Why? Because we, we, we care about each other. Like, this is real family. We just had, uh, I, I sat in the hospital for several hours the other morning with somebody in our church uh, who uh, is really kind of uh, just going through a struggle right now, and they've taken her from work and, and all that. And we're going to send, a, we, there's a meal train prepa- prepared, and, and I was hesitant at first when my wife was sharing, like, we need to get this meal train filled up. I'm like, oh, we just sent one out. But it's like, you know what? This is family. I shouldn't second guess if we need to take care of family. And so that's going to be going out this afternoon, I encourage you. Uh, and I wanted to send this out in the message, but I only have so many characters that I could use. Um, but man, I, well, I don't know them. Man, what a perfect way to meet somebody in your family, to go drop off a meal and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Because we see it exemplified right here by the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm praying for you. And so let me ask you, have you been praying for your church? Have you been praying that God would lead us to a new home, that he would provide the resources in order for us to get to a new home? Because this is not just my thing. This is our thing. This is our home. This is our church. This isn't my church. And so I've been praying that God would provide a home for our church. And that's one way you can pray for your church as well. Because that's he, the Apostle Paul, we see that he is praying for this family that is named. He said that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I want to spend some time here. Man, some of our inner beings are not very strong at all. Some of our inner beings, if we were to, uh, if we could see into the spiritual realm, if I were to, can open up your heart and see uh, your inner being, man, it would just look like rubble. It would look like it's broken, torn down, uh, maybe even abandoned. And, and, and that happens to everybody, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I told you those last two weeks I didn't preach and, and I would say, man, there for a while, maybe I even got so focused on making sure uh, that I just came with a great message every Sunday that I, I wasn't praying for my inner being. And I felt weak and I felt tired. And, and I'm telling my wife, like, man, I am so, like, I never in my lifetime did I think the words come out of my mouth that I'm so glad I'm not preaching this week would ever come out of my mouth. And they did. Why? Because I wasn't strengthening my inner being. How do we do that? We do it through prayer. And that's the importance of prayer. When when you are dependent on the Lord, he strengthens that inner being. How do you get through your day? Because your inner being is strengthened through the source. So your source might be you. And it might be running down. And, And I'm here to encourage you, not to beat you up. I'm here to encourage you. Man, Connect yourself to the right source who is never ending. It'll never run out. And that's in God. Because we want to have strong inner beings. I want to be able to, again, if we could open up hearts and see the spiritual uh, health of our church, man, I want to have a strong church with people who are praying, seeking the Lord, loving the Lord through prayer, and letting Him know, like, we depend on you right? And sometimes that is so hard. Uh, Ubi, I want to share something that Ubi shared with the men, uh, and and he talked about uh, as not only men, but really as Christians, man, the Bible calls us to be people of fruit. 
uh, in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all those things that we should be producing those things. If, the, if our inner being is strengthened and it is strong and we have the Holy Spirit living in us, those are the evidence that we have a strong inner being. So if you're just always flipping out and getting mad, you, your, your inner being needs to be strengthened. If you don't have peace and your life seems chaotic, and, and I'm talking that you can have, because believe me, my, my life is chaotic. We had a youth student <laughs> riding with me in, in the car, uh, in my vehicle, and we had my whole family in the car, and, and, my wife, and my kids are yelling, and they're fighting, and they're screaming, and legends crying, and he's like looking back, and he's like, oh my gosh. And my wife was like, our, our family's not always like this. I was like, yes it is. What are you talking about? And so I'm not talking that, I'm talking like when circumstances of the world are hitting us, you can still have that peace, right? There's still a peace there. And if you don't have that, I would, I would say, well, how's your inner being? How's your inner man? If, if you're not loving towards people and you're always hateful, you're always talking about other people, how's your inner man? Because if you have a weak inner man, you, you need to break others down so that you can think you're building yourself up. That's an inner man problem. And, and, and so all these things, and, and he says, how does the world counterfeit that? Because all of that, we put hope, faith, and trust in that, right? And, and the Lord strengthens us. And the, the, the enemy's really good at counterfeiting. So when we should be seeking fruit, or the source of the fruit so that we can have fruit, we seek in our world would be work. And he's talking, I guess Ubi was speaking through the lens of speaking to men. We think work is our source. Why? Because it produces fruit, what is, which is what? Money, which produces more fruit, which is what? House, cars, uh, things for our families, clothes, which none of those things are bad. The bad part is that we think that's our source. Yet, man, we have a weak inner being. And that produces weak people. It produces weak Christians. And I think the Lord is trying to raise up strong Christians. Christians who, who uh, because that's what people think of Christians, that they're just these little weak people that, no, Christians are supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be vigilant in the things of the Lord. But that's not the picture of, of the church, if you were to ask people. Why? Because we don't have strong inner beings. And so that is my, that, that's a prayer that I'm going to be praying. This is a prayer you can be praying. Lord, strengthen my inner being so that no matter what's going on around me, no matter uh, how I feel, no matter what I'm dealing with, I don't go to a, a source that can run out, but I go to the one who never runs out. And let me plug myself there so that I have a strong inner being. And then he goes on and he says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the, the breadth, the length, and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness. He's saying, so all of that, it has to be grounded in something, right? It has to be rooted. We know all things. We, we know when a building needs to be built, it has to have a strong foundation. If you're a gardener, you know that it needs to grow deep roots. Everything needs to have a strong foundation or everything that comes on top will make it crumble. And so this is our foundation, that we are rooted and, and grounded 
in Christ's love. And, and, and there's a yearning there that has to come from us. Why, why do I lift my hands in worship? Because there's a yearning that I want to be rooted and know his love for me. Why, why, why do I, I pray with my children? Because I want them to know and be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. So important. And he, here's this idea, and I think we can see it in, in the natural. How, how do you do that? How do you get grounded and rooted in love? And I think the best way of doing or learning things or knowing things is by doing them. How many of you, you get better at things by doing things, right? Everybody does, right? Everybody gets better. If you do it more and more and more, you get better at it. So how do we know and be rooted in God's love? We love people. It's so simple. It, it's a simple message that we talk about every week at Real Church. We love people every day. You should ask yourself, man, how do I love people today? Because the Lord is going to present an opportunity every single day. Every single day. And it's going to take us slowing down, right? Christians live differently. So it, there's got to be a conscience decision to slow down and, and have some self-awareness of, man, there's people around me that I need to love. The Lord reminded me, I, I, I posted it on our social media yesterday. I was at the soccer field uh, and it was a beautiful day, and I'm excited for Briella to play. And, and the Lord just slowed my mind and my heart down. And I was looking, soccer field was full of people. And I was like, man, I, there's so many people to love. There's so many broken people here at the soccer field. There's so many hopeless people here. Same thing at your workplace. Same thing uh, on your job site. Same thing on the rig. Same thing wherever it is that you are, your neighbors I love the illustration that Pastor Terry, well, if you pictured your, your, your neighborhood, like there, there's work to be done there. Your neighbors. And I've been, my neighbor was out doing yard work yesterday and I, and I had to slow down and, I, and we were in a rush. We were going to a birthday party and I rolled him out of my window and I was like, man, how are you doing? And, and I saw that he was sweet. He, his driveway doesn't have any grass and he was using a broom. And I was like, dude, I got a blower if you want to use it. It'd be a lot easier. But I was just attempting to love my neighbor. There's just simple things that we can do as Christians to point people to Jesus with a real love. And so if you want to be rooted and grounded in Christ's love, love people. That's how important his love is. Are we getting this morning? And, he's, and, and here's the thing. He says the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth. The picture of the cross is a perfect picture of that. The cross goes deep down. There's such a depth to the cross. And the, the cross has such a height. And then you have the crossbar of the cross. And there's a, there's a width to it. And it's just a picture of God's love and what we're supposed to do uh, as Christians in the church and showing people this so that we could be filled. And guess what? This, it surpasses knowledge. What is that? It surpasses knowledge. I remember when I was 15 and I walked into a room and, and this is where I believed that the Lord captured my heart and I just began to weep. You know, and a 15-year-old uh, guy at a youth camp who's trying to get a hot girlfriend at a youth camp. You don't cry. That's not the way to get it, right? And I walk into this room and I just began to weep and I was like, what's wrong with you? Like, get it together, dude. And I just could not stop weeping. And I didn't know why. 
And as I look back, I'm like, man, it's because the Lord, he's just so good to me. He's so good. Man, I was, I, I've explained to you what kind of kid I was. Man, he's just always been so good to me. Some of you, man, uh, I, I'm not a big emotional person, but when it comes to the Lord, man, he moves me. He mo- There's times when I'm driving down Wall Street, head to the office, and like I'm just, I got worship music playing, and I'm just like, man, man, I love this city, and I just, I'm fighting tears because it moves me. It, 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 it passes this. It's not just a knowing, yeah, God loves me. Yeah, God sent his son Jesus for me. Yeah, I know he forgives me and he loves me. But man, when you really think about that, that should move you. And I had a couple of weeks ago used the illustration. If somebody were to walk up to you and say, I want to pay all of your debt. We, <laughs> no. <laughs> right? We would lose our mind. We'd be like, oh my. But when we know that Jesus paid all of our debt and he forgives us forever and ever, we're like, oh, cool. Thanks, Jesus. I'm not saying you need to be a big, big old crybaby, right? That's not what I'm saying. I, I am saying, though, that the message of the cross should do something to you. When you think about his love and his forgiveness and his grace towards you, and it could be seen through all kinds of things. Some of, uh, for, for men, we don't deserve the wife that we have, right? And so you should be, when you, when you think about God's goodness, and be like, man, God, you really sent me a good woman. And all the women said, Amen. <laughs> that should do something to you as a man. Like, man, I, re- I really, when, when you look at your children, man, men, you would do anything for your children. You would fight, you would protect. Well, that, that's what we're called to do, right? Women, when you look at your children, you know that, oh, that's my baby. When Adriana, when Legend, Legend has his mama wrapped around her finger, like, no, I'm scared for that young man when he <laughs> grows up. But it, it should, it, your children move you. And if you actually think of that as a gift from God, you don't look at your children all the time like, what are you doing? But man, you just go laid next to them and you're like, man, I love you. How, 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 how was school today? When's the last time you asked your kid, how was, like, how, how was your day? Not just, you know, the other day we pulled out, I looked at a grade that Kenley, and she's a great student. So when I looked at this grade, I was like, what is this? Right? And, and I need to be asking her, like, I mean, how are you? Because an eight-year-old, man, just, we, we may not think like an eight-year-old has worries, cares, and stuff. Man, they do. Right? Our children have those things just like us. It's going to take selflessness as a parent to be rooted and grounded in love, to love our children in that. And say, man, how, how are you doing? Some of you need to have that conversation with your children. And, and you've spent so much time just being frustrated at how they're acting, all the fits they're throwing, all the selfishness they've been showing. And I'm not saying we don't need to parent them through that. But man, when's the last time we just asked our kids, how are you doing? How are you? And, and that takes being rooted and grounded in love. Because if you're not rooted in it, you're, you're not going to show it. You're, you're not going to be that kind of person towards other people. And again, all of this it surpasses this, and it gets here. It is deep in your heart, and like, there's just something in your heart like, man, I just got to love them. And then uh, we, we see this, this last verse in verse 20, the last two verses. He says, now to him who is able to do far more 
abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. When I read the text, sometimes I'm like, okay, he's saying, he's not saying this, he's saying this. And sometimes I have to remind myself, no, 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 it can mean both. So we went through the first three chapters of Ephesians and we said, God is highly concerned with your spiritual inner being, right? When he's blessing, when, when we see the word blessing in the New Testament, most of the time it's not talking about physical blessing. It's talking about spiritual blessing. But there are times when the Lord wants to bless us physically, so I want to address both of them. We're, we're seeing, I've heard this verse, if you grew up in church, you heard this verse all the time. God can do far more than what you think. Imagine he can do far more than what you expect. And I want to ask you, man, are you even going to prayer with an expectancy in your heart that God can and will move? Sometimes I find myself, even when like I'm praying for our new home, and, and we have a certain budget, and we have like uh, the real estate in Midland. You, I mean, I don't have to explain that. And it's like, sometimes I go to prayer because it's I have to, and there's not an expectancy of like, yeah, but I serve a God who can do far more. He, he has, his budget is greater than our budget. He, his resources are, are more than my resources. And, and so sometimes we don't have an expectancy, but we're just praying out of duty. Man, I want to encourage you, when you pray this week, man, you pray with an expectant heart. Like, God is going to move. God is going to show himself faithful. Because over and over, I've seen God show himself faithful, not just in my personal life, but for our church, for our family, for other people in that I know. But there's got to be like an expectancy there. Over and over, we see people in the Gospels who go after Jesus. Why are they so adamant about going after him? Because there's an expectancy that something is going to happen. Man, I'm telling you, if you've never had that before, when the Lord answers your prayer, you ask yourself, man, why don't I do anything but pray? Because that's how powerful prayer is. But you should have an expectancy. Why? Because not only can he do, right? Some of you aren't even praying. Let's, let's get there. Some of you need to be praying. The Lord says you don't have because you don't ask. Man, some of you uh, uh, need what uh, X, Y, Z, and you're not even praying for it because you don't think God cares. Man, he cares no matter how small you think it is. He cares. You need healing in your body? He cares. You, you need uh, a, a new job? He cares. You need a job? He cares. You, you're looking for a new home? He cares. I remember when we were house hunting, the lady said somebody offered $15,000 more than what my wife and I could. And, and they said, we'll know by Monday. It was Thursday. I pull up to the house after basketball practice, and I, I parked in front of the house. And I said, Lord, I don't want to know Monday. I want to know if this is my house or not. And it was, we were youth pastors at the time, and it was across the street from Lee High School. And we had tons of students, and we were just like, man, this would be a great house to love our students. And the Lord, when we saw him working, man, I could sit here and just tell you that whole story. And it's been a great home for us. But man, there's got to be an expectancy that your God can move. Because you serve a God who cares. You serve a God who is big and knows all. We are limited, finite beings, and we can only see here. And his ways are higher than our ways, is what the scripture says. So why not go to the one 
whose ways are higher than our ways. Man, he cares. Go to prayer with an expectancy. And here, I love that it says that he can do far more. Not just more. The scripture says far more. And then it uses the word abundantly. Man, imagine if you went to the one who cares and stopped trying to navigate it through your own doing. You might be able to get something done in your own doing. I've got things done in my own doing. I'm, I'm personality type A, like just get out of my way and let me do it, right? And if you're like that and you're, you're wired the way I'm wired, sometimes it's hard to, to know that we're dependent on something other than ourselves. Just get out of the way and let me do it. And so many times, I think in my life, I've said, God, get out of the way and let me do it. But when I go to God in expectancy and in prayer, man, he does far more than what I even asked him to do. He just blessed our socks off because that's the kind of God. He, he, he's an inexhaustible resource. Now, don't view God as a resource. He's not. He's the source with resources, right? So he is inexhaustible in his resources. And that's what he wants to bless you with according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory of the church in Christ throughout so here's the cool thing about prayer. Yeah, we can pray and ask God, God, I need you to work in this. I need you to move in this. God, I need you uh, to do this in our family. I need you to do this in my relationship and my kids at work. And you go to him in prayer and you say, and you're praying all of this. What you're not going to realize that all that prayer, man, he's been doing something in your inner being. Man, you can come up. Check that out. I beat the clock. Wife is going to be proud. It's going to do something to you. You're finally going to be able to say, ah, I can stop worrying about that. Guess what? Real church, we have three months to get in to find a new home. And I refuse to stress about it. Why? Because I serve a God who can do far more abundantly than what I think or even ask or even imagine. Man, there's some things you're praying, you're not praying, I'm sorry, that you're not praying that God says, man, I can do far more than that. So I drive around town and I'm looking, and, and this is, I'm kind of helping you, I'm showing you what I'm thinking as I'm praying and as I'm reading. I'm driving around town like, all right, God, where can we meet? Ah, oh, that place is too small. Uh, we can't afford that place. Uh, and all these things. And I think the Lord has just been convicting me like, man, do you not think I can do far more than what you? Don't you think I love my church more than you love real church? And there for a while, I'd get discouraged and I'd, uh, and I'd just stop praying about it, right? I'd just stop praying. Oh, God's not listening. He doesn't care. Well, so, why, so why even pray? And then I'd kind of muster up enough willpower to say, all right, God, I'm back. We need a home. When are you going to come through? But then I start praying with a fervency. I start praying with an expectancy. And, and it's just like this worry just falls off of me. Like the, this stress just rolls off my back. And God just graciously reminds me like, you're going to be okay. Real church, you're going to be okay. And, and in that prayer, I see my inner man being strengthened. And this morning, your inner man needs to be strengthened. How is it strengthened? 
you, that Christ dwells in your hearts and that you would be rooted and grounded in love. And so for eight weeks we've sat. We've sat and we looked at our God and we've said, God, you are too good. You're not just good, you are too good to me. And, I, and you have to look past the physical to think that, right? Because you might be living uh, in an apartment, tiny, that, do, that doesn't equiv- that's not, uh, that doesn't equate to God's goodness, right? God's goodness equates to how he's been patient with you, how he's loved you, how he's walked with you, how every time uh, you lose your mind and, and you uh, do what you do and we act the way we do as humans, he says, man, but I love you. I love you. And so I, I asked uh, Raul, and he's going to sing a song. And he's going to sing a blessing. This scripture comes from, this song comes from a scripture, and it's God's blessing. And so for, for seven weeks, like I said, we've been sitting in God's goodness. We've been seeing how good he is. And so here's what I, they're going to sing over us. Here's what I want to do. Everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. Here, here, here's what I want to do. If you have family with you, um, man, just grab their hand. I, I would even ask, man, Josh, pa- Pastor Anthony's like, don't do it. Pastor Anthony, go stand with your wife. You can do it. That board is going to be okay. Josh, stand with, Braden, come stand with your family. Here's how we can thank God that, man, you've been so good. Some of you have family serving, and, and that's great. But just for a moment as they begin to sing, man, can you thank God for his goodness in your life? Because if you're here, he's good. When's the last time you thank God for your spouse, for your partner? Not complained about your spouse. Thank God for them. When's the last time you thank God for your children and their health? Right? Thank God. I see over and over on social media, parents with kids in the hospital. And I thank God my kids are healthy, they're well. Because right now we don't have insurance. Thank God. I can't tell a joke like that. I, I'm sorry. Focus. Focus. Man, thank God. He's been, you got a job. You don't like what it pays, but you got a job? Man, thank God. Thank God. So they're going to begin to sing, and I'm just going to, you pray, and I'm going to pray over us. So Rahul, go ahead and you can, Father, we thank you. We thank you the for blessing Lord us. bless you. And keep Father, you have kept us through our dark times. Make his face shine upon you. Father, you've been good. Be to us. gracious to you. Thank you for our children. The Lord, turn him. Families. Face over you. Thank you for our work. And give you peace. God, you are way bigger, loving, gracious, patient towards us than I could ever think or imagine. Lord bless you. Father, and over and over you show yourself faithful. Keep you 
prodigal son he forgot how good his father was and he says I just want to go do my own thing and he went and he did his own thing and he wasted everything he ended up going from living uh, the best life that he could be living to now he's eating with the pigs because he wasted and forgot how good his dad was and he goes back and it says, and there's very few times, maybe two times in all of Scripture, 
where we see God run. And it was running towards his son. His son had forgotten how good he was. And if you have forgotten how good your God is, and he's not here to condemn you. It says in the scripture that he ran towards him. He ran towards him. And his son was trying to come up with this speech of, I'm sorry, I forgot. God. And, he's, and he's just saying, hey, get the party going. Bring the best clothes. Cook the best steak. My child is here. And I just want to encourage Real Church this morning. Man, if you have forgotten how good your father is, and you haven't been in prayer thanking him for the goodness in your life, man, you're in the right place. Because he's saying, hey, I'm glad you're here. And here's the cool thing. He's not going to say, what are you doing? He's glad that you're returning to him. He's going to say, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's your inner man? Are you okay? Has life beaten you up? Does it feel like life has just brought everything towards you? How are you? This morning, I think God, through Apostle Paul's prayer, man, he just wanted to remind us, man, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. God, if you serve a good God, will you give him some praise this morning? Come on, if he's been good to you, he's been good to you. We serve a good God. And here, here, here's, here's the thing. We've sat through eight weeks. God bless you. Through eight weeks. Not, not many people walk through the just books of the Bible. And you're graciously sitting under that. And I want you to know that I'm in prayer and I'm diligently preparing because I want to bring my best every week. More importantly, I want to bring God's best. But now we've gotten through. We've talked about how good our God is. And this week we're going to go to prayer and we're going to thank Him and, and we're going to praise Him. We're going to worship Him. We're going to teach our kids how to do that. There's, there's no Bible class that you need to take to teach your kids how to pray. Let me say that. Just, hey, I, I love Briella. She, I had stopped praying with her for a while. And she was laying down the other night and I was putting her to bed. She goes, Daddy, can we pray? I'm like, whoa. Man, it shook me. I, I prayed with her. The next day, my wife calls me and I'm at, at the office and she says, Guess what your daughter did today? If you know Briella, she, she's like a terrorist when you know her, but when you don't know her, she's like super shy. She, and, and at her Mother's Day out, they asked who would want to pray. And of all the students, a three-year-old girl raises her hand. And, and she, she went up and she prayed what Daddy prayed with her every night. God, thank you for everybody. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. Can't, if that made my heart swell, I can't imagine what it did to my father's heart. There's no Bible class that you need to take. Let's be people of prayer. That's one of our core values here at Real Church. Prayer isn't our last resort. But we go to prayer first. And now that we've seen why we go to prayer, because our God is so good, there's implications on that. 
so as we move through these next few weeks man bring your bible go go read what we're gonna you know what i'm gonna preach for the next eight more weeks go read it go pray it go ask the lord god you're this good and for this reason i'm gonna walk that's our next step we've sat it's time to walk because you're that good god this is how i'm gonna walk so that's my prayer for real church father we love you god i thank you for every person in this room I thank you for the people who are putting their faith in your son Jesus for the first time. Your word says that if they call on your name, they will be saved. So Father, I pray that there's people calling on your name. Father, I believe there's people in the room calling on your name and they don't even know it, but it's happening in their heart. Their heart is crying out to something outside of themselves. And it's because they want to be dependent on you, Father. So Father, I thank you that people are being saved this morning. You are graciously choosing people this morning in your love. God, I pray for everybody who is not here, God. Would you be with them? Would you be with the family who just had their baby, the Harlands? Would you be with the Vargas family as they serve and love their mom who selflessly loves them all the time? God, may we be a church who is rooted and grounded in your love. And that may be evident through the kind of people and the kind of fruit that we produce when we're outside these four walls. So, Father, I thank you for real church. God, and I am excited. There is an expectancy in my heart about what you're going to do in the next three months, what you're going to do on Easter Sunday in three weeks. So Father, I, I pray right now that you begin putting people, that you bring up conversations so that real church can be church, that we would love them, we'd invite them, so that we could show them what a place of grace looks like as we lift up your son Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Real Church. I love